0: Well, good morning. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors. I'm really glad that you are here and that you're with us this morning. Uh, first time guest or if you've just been coming for a few weeks, you've been here for a while. Really, really glad that you are here. Uh, the last week or two, uh, two prayer requests could have been shared and I just want to mention them, but two of our musicians, Marvin uh, and Donovan, were... Uh, had, had pretty big scares. Marvin had a seizure uh, last Saturday night and thankfully is healed and is here this morning. And Donovan was coming on Interstate 40 and flipped his car multiple times and walked away with just a scratch. Uh, and so we're grateful for that uh, and that they are with us this morning. And God is grateful, uh, is gracious uh, to be with his people and to protect us and, and grateful that they're with us. So if you don't know, uh, we have been all summer long in the New Testament letter uh, to to the Galatians, the the letter of Galatians. Uh, And one commentator has noted that this New Testament letter could be divided into three parts. Biography, theology, and ethics. Biology, theology, and ethics. Chapters 1-2 through Paul, the author of this letter, is recounting his spiritual autobiography to show that he is a genuine apostle with the true gospel. Chapters 3 through 4, Paul explains that his theology is a theology in terms of justification, being made right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And in chapters 5 through 6, we're going to see that that the main theology Paul is interested in is a practical theology. So he ends this letter in chapters 5 through 6 with how we should live, applying this gospel to everyday life. And so we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 this morning. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand as we read God's word, as is our custom here. This is God's word to us this morning. For freedom... For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Yeah. Isaiah 40 tells us of so the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would come now by your grace and by your mercy power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our spirits. Each person here individually, us as a community, would you illumine our minds, would you inflame our hearts, would you move us to live out the truths of the gospel that we would hear from you. Remove me, the speaker, so that Christ is very much seen and encountered this morning and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, North America might prize freedom more than anything. Our country was built on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We just celebrated Independence Day. Freedom from British rule. the, The liberty that now would come to start and form a new country. Some people speak of freedom in terms of politics, right? Free speech, the freedom to vote. Others work diligently for the freedom from oppressive social structures. Both of those are important forms of freedom. But most North Americans, when they hear the word freedom, primarily factor in personal freedom. The freedom to do what I want to do. Now, I know when I start feeling overwhelmed by work and by ministry and uh, another sermon being preached while I preach my sermon, <laughs> uh, you're good, man. Uh, you're all right. Maybe we should just listen to him instead of me. No, just kidding. So I, I know when I feel overwhelmed by work or ministry or overwhelmed by the demands of parenting, I can mutter... I just need some free time. I need some free time, which means I need time to do what I want to do without anyone telling me what I should or need to do. Daniel needs free time. Now listen to how sociologist Robert Bella in his book Habits of the Heart writes about freedom. Quote, Freedom is perhaps the most resonant, deeply held American value. Yet freedom turns out to mean being left alone by others. Not having other people's values, ideas, or styles of life forced upon one. Being free of arbitrary authority in work, family, and political life. Our country and our culture has taught us that freedom is being left alone with personal authority and autonomy to do what I want, when I want. We've been shaped with this understanding of freedom as being left alone. And this view of freedom the self becomes the moral source of authority. The self determines what guides and directs life and what creates fullness and happiness. And if this is what freedom means, then God becomes extremely inconvenient. God actually becomes our opposition because if there is a God, he undoubtedly has opinions about what we ought to do, where we ought to do it, and with whom. What many people in our country want is not freedom of religion, but freedom from religion. Listen to this quote from the Free Inquiry. It's a leading magazine for secular humanists. Quote, some ideas can enslave you. Some can set you free. If you crave freedom from baseless dogma, if you want to think for yourself, instead of submitting to tradition, authority, or blind faith, put aside religion put aside despair, put aside guilt and sin, and find new meaning and joy in life. Now, you may identify with that this morning. You may say, yeah, I agree with that. And if so, I'm really glad you were willing to come to church and be with us this morning. Our culture teaches that freedom is a freedom from religion. And what I want us to look at this morning is what does the Bible mean by freedom? Because our text is all about freedom. Look at verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, Paul is saying, you are free in Christ, therefore be free. Live in your freedom. Stand firm. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Liberation and freedom is why the Lord Jesus Christ was sent, born, lived, and died, and resurrected. Jesus' first sermon is recorded in Luke chapter 4 jesus goes to nazareth enters the synagogue on the sabbath and he opens up the scroll of the prophet isaiah to chapter 61 and reads the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives jesus was sent and he came for the sake of liberation for freedom The Bible talks about freedom. It is always freedom in Christ. It's a very different understanding than the way our culture defines freedom. Our culture, again, says the self determines. The Bible says freedom is actually freedom from myself so that I might live for God and for others in love. The gospel of Christianity could be succinctly communicated by this metaphor of slavery and freedom. Before faith in Christ, everyone is held captive. Everyone is born into a state of slavery, a triple slavery. We're enslaved to sin, destined to sin. We're enslaved to death, destined to die. And we're enslaved to the devil, destined to be tempted and to succumb to that temptation. But by faith in Jesus, we are set free from this tyranny. We're set free from the tyranny of sin no longer guilty and condemned in our sin. We're set free from the tyranny of death. Death does not have the final word. We have a future hope and resurrection that we look forward to, and we're set free from the tyranny of the devil. He no longer has the power over us. We can choose by his grace not to sin and walk in love. See, if someone were to come up to you on the street, I I met with Dion, uh, earlier this morning, Sedota, and I said, if your little uh, sister asked you what's the gospel about, what would you say, Dion? Someone were to come up to you, a friend, a family member, and say, what's the gospel about? You could reply very simply, it is a message about slavery, slavery to freedom in Christ. Again, simply put, the difference in our culture's view of freedom and the Bible's view. Our culture says freedom is freedom from... It's a freedom from anything that hinders the self to do what the self desires. The Bible says freedom is freedom for, for our design purpose, for what God intended us to be, for a life in communion with our Creator and our Redeemer. Now, that's a long intro, but I had to set up what I'm, I, I want us to look at freedom, and what our culture view of freedom, because what Paul is wanting us to do is live out this theology, to live out this freedom. So that's what I want us to look at this morning. How do we live it out? The first point is that freedom is lived out when we know our identity. Look at verses 2 to 4. Verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you haven't been here, as we've been in this letter, let me tell you and remind the rest of you that the false teachers, those whom Paul has called the Judaizers, are trying to teach the Christians in Galatia that true faith is faith in Jesus plus obedience to the Jewish law. Faith in Jesus plus adherence to Jewish culture, thus circumcision. They are teaching Christians in Galatia that to be an official, card-carrying Christian, your ID must be circumcision. It was their badge to flash and to show that they really understood and got Christianity. We like to flash our badges today to show that we get Christianity, don't we? That Instagram photo or Facebook photo, cup of coffee, journal open, Bible open, Hashtag great way to start my day. (laughs) Way of saying, hey world, I get it. I get Christianity. It's The bumper sticker, question authority, coexist, peace. My badge to show the world I get it. Have you ever looked at someone or a group of people who profess faith in Jesus and thought, man, they're just not quite measuring up. They just don't quite get it like I do. It's in that place where it is revealed you are trusting in something other than Christ for your identity. That's your circumcision. Something you are adding onto Jesus and onto the gospel. Our identity as Christians is defined by Christ and Christ alone. We are in him. Now Paul knows this is a hard truth to remember, it's hard truth to live by. It's why he exhorts the Galatians here to stand firm. He knows living out of this identity of being in Christ, it's slippery. So he says stand firm because we can seek many things from the world for our identity. Power, money, influence, sex. In the church of Jesus can seek many things besides Jesus for our identity. Our Bible study, political change, certain forms of worship. And Paul says when we slip and think we can add anything to Jesus, we make Christ of no advantage. We make Christ of no value. We devalue and take away from Jesus. And that's not what God intended and created us to do. God intended and created us to make much of him. If you're familiar with the Westminster Confession of Faith, the the first question and answer of the Westminster Confession is what is the chief end of man? What is our ultimate end? Man's chief end, woman's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's what we're created to do. Freedom is when we live in and live out of our true identity, glorifying God and enjoying Him. And in Christ, we're enabled to do this. If you've ever been walking along the beach seen a fish flopping around on the shore yeah that ever happened a few times for me i don't know if you would if you saw that happening would you walk up to the fish and pick it up and throw it up in the air and say fly fly away be free fish fly or or if you saw a bird struggling on the ground couldn't fly wing was injured would you take the bird and throw it in the water and say swim away bird be free you're free. No, you would take the bird, you would nurse it when it could use its wings, you would let it go, it'd be free to fly as it was intended to be. Freedom as a Christian is lived out when we know our identity in Jesus, and then we swim or we fly in the environment God created us for, glorifying and enjoying him. Second way we live out our freedom It's lived out when we eagerly wait for our future hope. I took those words straight from verse 5. Look at verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. The hope of righteousness. That's the future world that Christ will usher in. When the new Jerusalem, the new city comes down from heaven and dwells on earth. It's what the Bible talks about being the new heavens and the new earth. It's the future world where Christ will make everything right. He will rectify all that is wrong. And it will be an environment of perfect holiness and perfect grace and perfect love and perfect peace and perfect beauty and the fullness of all of those. And this is the world we were created for. And as Christians, we hope for this day. We hope for it. Now, the word hope, it's kind of lost in our English language. I'll say things like, I hope that my Auburn Tigers win the college football championship this year. I actually, was surprised by a good friend, Bill, who's here this morning. We graduated Auburn together, and we both deeply hope the Auburn Tigers will win the college football championship. Some will say, I hope our political landscape will change over the next year. You see, we use this word to say, I have no way of being confident, so I'll hope. But the Greek meaning of the word hope here in Galatians is not uncertainty, but rather a powerful assurance and certainty of something happening. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. If you caught that, total assurance in Greek means not so sure in English. No wonder... We have a hard time understanding and living into true hope. Biblical hope is confidence and certainty of what is to come. And Paul says we wait for this. We can't work for it. We can't strive for it. We wait eagerly because of what is to come. Our fullest freedom isn't experienced in the here and the now. We are free now in Christ, but we wait for our fullest freedom when Christ comes. And believing this will, you, will allow all of us to walk in and out of this identity, will enable us to say no to the things that are not in line with this identity of being in Jesus and say yes to the things that are. And growing up, I had a godfather. His name was Father Ortiz. And every time I saw Father Ortiz, he would buy me ice cream or bring me a present. Every time, he'd bring something or take me somewhere. So when mom or dad said, hey, we're going to go see Father Ortiz today, I was jacked. We're going to see Father Ortiz because without fail, his presence meant presence. (laughs) It meant some type of goodness was coming. So I was eager. I was confident. Father Ortiz, good is coming to me when I'm with him. Church, our eyes must be set toward the horizon longing with eagerness for Christ to come, not because he brings ice cream and whatever we want in the here and the now, but because we wait for the hope of righteousness, and we know that Christ will usher in a whole new world that we were created for, and we can be confident because Jesus has promised that he will do it. Third way to live out this biblical view of freedom is that freedom is lived out when faith, expresses itself by love. See this in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This is one of the key verses of the whole letter. Faith working through love. got to clarify some things, though, because there has been and there can be confusion over this verse. I don't believe that this verse is saying love and faith are what count. We have to be careful that we don't add love to faith and declare love equal to faith. Paul is saying true faith expresses itself in love. True faith energizes love. Love doesn't save us. Faith alone and Christ alone saves us. That's our identity. But Paul is saying true faith expresses itself in love. He writes, circumcision and uncircumcision don't count for anything. And here's why. Because they cannot energize love. Another way of saying circumcision is moralism. Adherence to the law, strict morality of what's right and what's wrong. Another way of saying uncircumcision is licentiousness. It's doing whatever I want, the license to live however I desire. Moralism and licentiousness cannot energize love because both are essentially selfish. And love is giving oneself away with great joy. Moralism and licentiousness has self at the center. True love is the sacrifice of the self for the sake of another. And Jesus is the one who loves perfectly. He gave his life away in death for you and for me so that we can experience the unconditional love of the Father. And when we have our faith in Christ, His love will be expressed through us. See, faith alone in Christ alone, by grace alone, energizes love because Christ is love. Let me ask you a straightforward question. This really is the acid test of being a Christian. Does your faith that you profess express love? Does your faith express love? Do you love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you say yes to His ways above your ways? Do you love your neighbor as yourself, giving your time, your resources? Do you allow interruption into your schedule? Do you love each other in our church, speak well of each other, reach out when a need arises? Do you defend each other when someone is speaking ill of another? Do you, as Timothy said last week, say hard things towards one another because you love each other now i'm not saying we do these perfectly no one does and it's why we have confession of sin every week but faith in christ without fail energizes love faith alone saves but true faith is never a faith that is alone there's always the presence of love that is the id card That is the identification card of a Christian. Faith expressing itself in love. And with this, there's no smell of arrogance like there is with moralism and legalism. Thinking you're better than others. You get it, they don't. There's no smell of of flippancy towards God and abuse of His grace. Doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Faith expressing itself in love doesn't need to post on Instagram and Facebook and tell everyone else that I get it. Because you know deep down that your identity is in Christ alone and you boast in that. But others will see the love, not because you're boasting in what you do, but because you smell and you look a little bit like Jesus. I mean, it looks like many stories I've heard within our church. People giving rides to other people when they're in need. People rallying around a newborn child or a foster child people giving meals when in need, and not just any meal, but like thoughtful, written-out instructions with flowers. It's people who are new to Durham being welcomed into a home for the first time. It's people who've been gone from our community and returning and being loved on. It's writing a letter with words of encouragement or visiting someone in a hospital. It's helping rebuild a home. It's stepping in and helping out at a local school. See, freedom is when you live in your fullest self, being what God intended you to be. And according to Christian faith, true human self returns to itself when united to Jesus by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, being liberated from the tyranny of sin, death, and the devil, and then desiring to love God above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you take a look at your life, and you find yourself unloving, the solution is not to seek to love better or to love more. The solution is to look at Christ, who gives us an identity, loved by the Father. And as we dwell on our certain hope, we will have our hearts moved by His love to love others around us. The Masons have really enjoyed the Disney movie Moana lately. We have to fast forward through half of it, because we have a three-year-old who can't watch a good portion of it, but uh, he loves Moana, wants to listen to Moana songs like every time we're in the car. If you've seen it, but the whole premise of the movie is that Moana is destined and chosen to be the one who returns the heart of Te Fiti. Fiti is the goddess of life and creation, and her heart was taken by Maui. And in having her heart taken, she becomes Takat the lava monster, the demon of earth and fire causing destruction upon the earth. So Moana finally responds to being the chosen one to return the heart to Takah. And there's this powerful scene at the end where Moana finally makes it across the sea. And Takah is blazing with fire trying to destroy Moana and Moana courageously asks the sea to part to allow Takah the path to come to her. And the lava monster crawls across the parted sea to destroy Moana, and Moana stands firm. And she looks Takah in the eye and says tenderly, I see who you are, who you truly are. And then she places the heart back into Taka, restoring her to Tafiti, the goddess of life and creation, the one who would bring life and goodness to the world. We are created with a heart to know God to walk with God, created for communion and life with him. And the Father and the Son look at us, and they say, I see who you are, who you truly are. And then in Christ, our hearts can be restored, and we can live out our true identity with confidence and with a hope of what is to come, an identity that comes by faith in Christ, expressing itself in love to God and love to others this is freedom. This is freedom, brothers and sisters. Freedom, according to the Bible, is not being left alone. It's being brought into communion with the Father through Christ and then living into what God created us for. Biblical freedom is not freedom from. It's a freedom for. For a love for him and a love for others. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would set us free not in the way that most of us lord even me who's been in pastoral ministry for years and a christian for a while can can be kind of formed by the cultural view of of freedom i pray that you would by your spirit's power call us to live into what true freedom in christ is to follow you with a full heart to trust you to walk with you to know our identity to look forward to what is to come and that our lives might be an expression of your love to us, to you and to those you placed around us. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen.